Okay. So I'm doing a quick solo above the break. I'm just going to do NBA trade rumors, fact or fiction. We made it up. I think around this time of the year, if you've been following the NBA for any period of time, there's a lot of rumors that sound great. But if you're really into, you know, salary cap, asset management, just like what makes sense actually for teams, a lot of these rumors tend to feel like a guy's source in a front office or an agent even is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're interested in him. Like we made a call and like that's those people doing their job it doesn't necessarily mean there's like a high level of interest, right? So I'm going to go through some stuff I've seen on the internet and I'm going to say whether or not I think this is fact or fiction. And I'm not, I might call it fiction and it might still happen. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Teams do weird things all the time, but the NBA really over the last decade doesn't have any bad front offices anymore. There used to always be a bad front office, two, three, four, five. Farther you go back in time, tends to be more substantial. And as front offices have gotten better and smarter, there's been more, how should I describe it? More homogeny in how they value players, value assets, and just generally look at the sport and players. So it's a lot easier, I think, now to predict how front offices will behave in most situations. Now, sometimes an owner says, I want to go for it. And the front office says, okay. All right, so let's go for the first one. I'm using um, Hoops Hype trade rumors because they their business is bullshit, basically. <laughs> Okay, so Kings are interested in the Washington Wizards power forward, Kyle Kuzma. So let's see. So league sources maintain Washington has been holding out for two first-round picks for Kyle Kuzma. Though team sources indicate that is somewhat overblown. Let's just say what that means in normal people talk. The Wizards want two first-round picks. They're not saying they have to both be unprotected. And so usually when teams ask for like, we want two first round picks, it doesn't actually, that's not a real statement because what matters is like what type of protections they're cool with, right? If you're cool with two top 15 protected first round picks, that's not really all that much, right? You're basically saying, Hey, like, you know, we're not going to get any lottery pick for this guy. Now, if you're like, we want one unprotected first round pick for someone that's like more valuable for a lot of teams in the way they calculate this stuff than two heavily protected first round picks. It's really just the opportunity cost and the likelihood that they can be at those picks. Um, okay. So the Kings covet Kuzma for some time. Not sure why. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this. I think the Kings are interested in Kyle Kuzma because he's on a, Pretty good contract. I believe it's descending and uh, it's like for four more years. Uh, I don't know if it's four more years after this or four years with this one, but he's he's around for a while on a pretty good number. 
plays a position that they, you know, could use some help at, you know, power forward slash small forward. I don't think you can really play small forward against a lot of guys. So really more power forward, but they already have Harrison Barnes. They extended him. Barnes is older. And I, you know, Barnes might Barnes and Kuzma, I think on the Kings, at least are like very similar players in terms of value. Right. Like Kuzma is an interesting player. I'm not a huge fan of him for a lot of teams because he's basically he's a player that I feel like can drag bad teams closer to the middle, but he doesn't really have much of a positive impact on good teams. He's a he's not a bad defender, but he's not good. He's offensively his best skill is shot creation, but the efficiency has never been good throughout his career. You can go look it up. Look it up. His efficiency really throughout his career has not been great. Even when he was with the Lakers and was doing more just catch and shoot stuff, the three-point shooting wasn't that good. And so, you know, playing off the ball next to, you know, if it's the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, Dominic Spone, it's like, I don't think his, like, shooting is actually going to be, like, that beneficial for them. So, like, okay, cool. You have a guy who can create another shot. That's great. But, you know, you got, like, Malik Monk. You got, I mean, Kevin Herter can do a little bit of shot creation. You have um, Egan Murray, who should get better at that. Like, I don't think they need the shot creation. Also, like Harrison Barnes, like you give him the rock and like he can fucking score, right? He's his numbers haven't been so great this season. And uh, I think last season was a bit of a step back, but the guy can like you can give him the ball, generate free throws, hit shots. So I don't really like this. I think I think this is fiction. I think. The Kings are interested in Kyle Kuzma because long-term he fills a position of need, I think they believe, because I don't think they believe Harrison Barnes is going to be a high-level playoff contributor for maybe not even now, but like for the foreseeable future. So kind of swapping those two and getting a guy locked in for your two best players primes makes sense. But I actually think this is fiction. I think if the Wizards want to, for I basically I wouldn't give two first round picks even if they're heavily protected for Kyle Kuzma if I was the Kings, and even if it comes down, I think I would rather just roll with Barnes, whose contract will be more appealing to trade than Kuzma's. I think down the line, um, at least as like salary matcher. So yeah, okay, let's go take the next one. Chicago Bulls standing pat, fact or fiction? Okay, this is a fact because well, that's what the Chicago Bulls do. It, they shouldn't, right? I think the sh- I was saying most front offices are good now. I think Chicago Bulls um, are the worst front office in basketball. Hornets would be close, um, but they got new ownership groups, so there's a real chance that they start behaving like everyone else and aren't a totally horrible front office. So the Chicago Bulls are the are the last the last great bad front office. They have guys that they should be traded. First and foremost, they should trade DeMar DeRozan. He's in his early mid-30s. He's a good player. He's in the last year of his deal. He's going to want an extension. Just move it. Right? He is an expiring contract, and he's a player that is good and can help a good team. Are you going to get a ton back for him? No. But it's better than losing him for nothing in the summer or keeping him around to be this team this team is on pace for like 38 wins they're like on pace for 38 wins seemingly in perpetuity 
that's not like a great place to be. Colby White's looking pretty good. They've already said they want to move Zach Levine, but they can't. And the best way to just just start clearing house. If you're going to trade Zach Levine, you're not trying to win. Like, I don't love Levine as a player, but like he's a good enough player that if you're actively trying to trade him and get off his money, you're not really trying to win. Um, so just, hey, like if there's a situation where you can trade DeMar DeRozan and it opens up salary cap space, it might make it easier to move Levine in the future where it's like you take on a ton of bad money from someone. I don't know how likely that is, but it's like that. They should do that. They should trade Alex Crusoe. He's awesome. But like, I, he's way better on a contender than this team. They're going to not be able to trade Vooch because people don't really want centers like him making $20 million a, million a season. But like, he's a solid player. You still have like enough guys there that can do stuff, but like definitely should not stand back. Should be aggressive about moving Caruso and DeMar DeRozan because you could, especially Caruso, you get good stuff back. Okay, well, let's see. Ooh, the Hawks are intrigued by Quentin Grimes. I think this is real. Right? Like, he's kind of that 2-3, right? That 2-3 wing shooter defender guy. Hasn't been playing a ton in New York. From what I understand, I think New York... Thinks he's good, but there's this thing that teams do where like, oh, this guy's good. It's like, well, why is he not playing? It's like, oh, well, like, you know, he's he's still good. Like the last season, right? So Hawks might be intrigued by Grimes, but I think they're gonna I think New York's valuation of him is higher than probably what it should be. So if he gets moved, we'll probably be like right at the deadline. Um, I think Grimes has value to a lot of teams. So New York is probably not gonna move him until they've explored any big options because I believe they just went like 14 and 2 in January, something fucking absurd. Like they're legit. They've been awesome since Ananobi's been there. Uh so they trade for Ananobi. I know Randall's out, right? Like they're a really good team that's dealing with injuries and they're still winning. Like I, I could see them trying to be like maybe we can get a big fish. So that's I think that's somewhat real. Another Hawks adjacent rumor. They want to keep Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's a really good player. Um, without him, their second unit offense sucks. I mean, that's insane because they have DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. You'd think you could stagger those where they're basically on the court 48 minutes, but still, Bogdanovich is a really good player. Now, Hawks, they might want to keep him. I don't think they should. I think the Hawks need to basically come to terms with what they are. They are a bad team and they are never going to admit that they're kind of a bad to middling team because their best player is Trey Young. Maybe like it's not that Trey Young makes your team bad or middling even, but he is one of the best offensive engines in the NBA. Incredible passer, not actually as good a shooter as people say, but awesome at generating free throws, awesome at creating points through his passing right and he basically until this season was like guaranteed your team was like a top five offense they're not top five offense this season they're like 12 um, so that's not so good so while he's awesome for your offense their defense is routinely in like the bottom 10 you know from 20 down to 30 and usually closer to 30 than 20 can you build a good team with a guy who 
is like that. And thus far, they've had one pretty good team where they fired the coach midseason and things clicked with Nate McMillan. And then they kind of bullshitted their way to the Eastern Conference Finals and people lost their mind. Because if you do anything in the playoffs, like it, it changes everything about the quality of your players because teams and players can't just get hot in the playoffs and play above their actual level. I digress. So yeah, they need to evaluate that. Um, I would keep Bogdan Bogdanovich if I was trying to win. I think the Hawks are trying to win next season, even, or soon. But if someone offers you something good, you should move him. This is a guy who's had knee issues. This is a guy who hasn't really played in... He's the type of guy where if he's a starter for you in the playoffs, there's a chance he gets exposed defensively. I know he's 6'5", and he's actually got a 6'11 wingspan. I looked that up last night. So yeah, Bogdanovich, they want to keep him. I get it. I think the Hawks should probably say... Can we win with Trey Young? And if the answer is no, you just, I think they should literally trade pretty much everyone, except for their young guys and all that stuff. And that include Bogdanovich. But if they believe they can win with Trey Young, which I understand why a team would, because you just look at the offensive production and say, if we get some, if we get the right pieces around to have a decent defense, he can make everyone better on offense and we'll have a good offense and a good defense and be a good team. Ergo. Yeah, this is a tough one. Okay. Main rumors, Jordan Clarkson, Jordan, Cl- Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olenek on the Knicks radar. Let's open this tab and dig a little deeper. Okay. So they registered interest in those two jazz, uh, Clarkson and Kelly Olenek. Earlier in January, league sources told Hoopsite, quote, whatever team can get Clarkson will be a game changer. An NBA scout told Hoopsite, okay, okay. I mean, Jordan Clark's a good player, but game changer. I mean, God, it's like, it's like, come on, man. Like, game dog. Okay, whatever. Quote, I think he's the best of the volume scorers available on the trade market. That's not true. I just said Zach Levine is available. He is the best volume scorer. Now, in terms of like what it costs to get him, yeah, Clarkson might be a better uh, value. But okay, so let's just take a look at this and think fact or fiction. I think this is, I think this is fact um, that they're interested in those two. Now, I do think it's fiction and that I don't think they will end up there. Um, first reason is, is Olenek is really good. Um, but he's not really as he's not really the type of center Tom Thibodeau would ideally like, right? Like Kelly Olinick is functionally a power, a modern power forward that is big enough that he can fake minutes at center. He's not a good defensive player. He's a very good passer, which I love. He's a very good shooter. He's, 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 he's awesome on that end. But I think with Mitchell Robinson out, Probably for most of the rest of the season. Hardenstein's been playing big minutes. I think he's also banged up. Our sister Chua, right? Like maybe they think they can fit him in those rotations and they just have enough quality minutes from those two. But I'd have to imagine if you're going to give up assets to get a center, like they probably want someone who's a bit better defensively. 
maybe they maybe they like him. I also just think the Jazz value him pretty highly. And if I'm the Knicks, like I'm not giving you a first round pick for fucking Kelly Olynyk. And you know, there's that Clarkson. Yeah, you know, they need the Knicks are weird. They have a lot of guards, but they don't have a lot of ball handlers, right? Like Jalen Brunson is their best ball handler, but the, and they have a bunch of guards, but it's like Dante Divincenzo, it's Josh Hart, who's sort of a guard, right? Like they have these Quentin Grimes, uh, who they might trade. They're these guards that like aren't really lead ball handlers, and I understand why they're looking for someone like Clarkson because they trade Emmanuel quickly to get uh, OG Ananobi. I like Clarkson. I think his contract's like pretty reasonable. Like he extended off of his deal, and so like this season is like pretty a pretty big number, but it, it goes down pretty dramatically. So there's there's some value in that. In that like it can functionally trading for him can give you like open up salary cap space in the summer in a way that like trade for someone else wouldn't that's also not on expiring so this this is like i think they're interested i don't see i still see the knicks they're in a position where it's like these are just they don't need to make depth moves so much they really need to make the final move and these aren't the final move so if they can get them for like second round you know these two guys were like second round picks, maybe like one of the incoming first round picks. They have that some protections on them. Like, sure, whatever. But if I'm the next, my energy is on like the off season. If, can I get a really big player? Spencer Jimway, not long for Brooklyn. Fact. Clippers gauging trade market for Bones Highland, PJ Tucker. Okay. So this is probably true, but it's also. They made it up. There is no trade market for Bones Highland and PJ Tucker. And I can tell you why. And it's not very complicated. If you don't play basketball games, you are not interesting to other teams. Okay. So let's go take a look at total minutes played by these two, these two fellas. Okay. PJ Tucker has played 173 minutes for the Clippers, appearing in 12 games. Bones Highland has played 246, appearing in 18 games. The trade market for these, like, look, there's also the reality, like, P.J. Tucker, if I am not mistaken, he is owed money after this season because Daryl Morey gave him a crazy contract, and he used the best part of the James Harden deal for the the Sixers probably was being able to attach PJ Tucker to. Yeah, he has a player option next season for eleven and a half million. So he is whatever team is trading for PJ Tucker is getting him at eleven and a half million. There is there is no interest in PJ Tucker. Why would there be? Um, Bones Highland, maybe some rebuilding team believes in him, but look, Denver got rid of him. And brought in Reggie Jackson, who had not been good. Reggie Jackson's been good this season, but last season he was not very good. They got rid of him. They're like, fuck this noise. So, yeah. The trade, they're gauging the trade market. That's just like such a ridiculous, sure. But they know what the trade market is. It's zero. Like, what are you fucking gauging? Um, man. PJ Tucker was a great player. It's just, he's old. He's undersized now. And he makes way too much money for whatever role you're going to play him in. He's someone where if I was the Clippers, like the only way you could get rid of him is if you take someone's a contract they don't want, but maybe 
it's a better player, right? Like sometimes those exist and, or maybe like the deals for like a long enough, a long enough deal that they're like, okay, like we don't want to pay this guy for like three or four more seasons. We'll take Tucker for this season and next and, you know, free up cap space in two seasons. But yeah, like no trade market for those guys for obvious reasons. They don't fucking play at like, and Tucker's old as shit and expensive. Rockets registered trade interest in Mikel Bridges. Okay, he's fucking. This is stupid. Um, on the Rockets' part. So, is this fiction? I think this is fiction. I, the Rockets are like linked to a lot of people, and then like it never really goes anywhere. And I feel like, like sure, like why wouldn't every team should be interested in Mikel Bridges? So like that's that's true. But the idea of them, like, so here's here's what the basic grammars of the trade would be, is if you are not privy to this, the Rockets have pretty much all of the Nets picks uh, going out to like 2029 or 2027. Whenever they made the James Harden trade, they got all the first round picks and all the swaps they could have gotten from the Nets, like all unprotected. It was crazy. Um and because of that, they're, they have the ability, in theory, to trade with the Nets and get better return for their picks than they would another team because they're giving the Nets their picks back. And the value really, fundamentally, the value of having your own picks is it means that, like, if you want to be bad and tank, you can do that and it can be a valuable resource for you. But the Nets can't do that because all their picks are going to the Rockets. Now, the reason why I wouldn't do that if I'm the Rockets is look, like Miguel Bridges is a really good player. But part of the appeal of Mikel Bridges is mainly his contract. Right? We're talking about a really good three and D wing who's, you know, he's 27. He's in his prime. He's not probably getting much better over the next three seasons. Now, chances are he stays relatively similar to his level, this level, which is a pretty high level, even though he's not been nearly as good this season as he was last for Brooklyn. But, you know, bad team, whatever. But his contract is great. He's a great defensive player. He's making $21 million this season, $23 million next season, and then $24.9 million in 2025-26. So if you're the Rockets and you're trading premium draft assets for Mikel Bridges, back to their own picks back to them, you have to think of it this way, is that Mikel Bridges is interesting to you for this, this, the rest of this season and for two more seasons. Because he's, a, he's one of these players where he is good enough to get a $40 million a year salary but he is not good enough to make that salary like a value. And what that means is that if you're paying a guy like him that much money, you need a tier one, tier one's kind of superstar leading the charge because those guys, you just can't pay him enough money for them to be like, like they're just always producing surplus value. And that's where he's going to be two seasons from now. And the Rockets are like, you know, playing team right now. They're playing team because they have Red Van Vliet, who's got 
I think one more year on his contract before a team option for like 40 million, which I can't imagine the Rockets would want to pay him. Right. And so you're, you're putting a lot of eggs in the, well, Alperin Shangun is going to be like that dude by 2025, 26. Jabari Smith Jr. is going to become good. Terry Eason is going to be good. Cam Whitmore is going to be good. And it's like, those things are all very possible, but they're also unknowns. And you'd be giving up your best trade assets that to get bridges to basically have this, because this season is not going to win anything with him. So you're basically giving yourself a two-year window with Mikel Bridges to really chase for something. But Fred Van Vliet, then in 2025, 26, if you want to keep it around, which you probably would have to, you have to pay him 40 million when, you know, Shangun's extension starts to kick in. Jalen Green, potentially, his extension starts to kick in. So you're talking about a kind of an insane salary crunch. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it makes any sense for them unless they can just get him for like, they're like, hey, like, we'll give you one of your picks back and one of the swaps back. And like, if that's the case, sure, just do that. That's, but there's no way the Nets are going to give up a player like Bridges because they could just, if they wanted to trade him, they could trade him to a contender who you would help right now way more than you would help the Rockets. And they would get more than that overall. And while, you know, they might send the Rockets some good picks, you know, sometimes it sucks to suck, right? Like you have to do that. And also the other reason why I'm, if I'm the Rockets, why I don't really want to do this is just like, Sure, like you get Mikel Bridges, the Nets are going to be worse. But like, how much worse are they actually going to be? And if you give them the picks back, like, and not maybe not all of them, if you give them the picks right now, okay, they get their picks. Maybe they hit some, do well in the draft. They get good enough. So like, I just, I just think this is one of those things where I don't see how it makes any sense really for the Rockets. And I don't really see how it makes any sense for Brooklyn, right? Like, cool. We just traded probably our best and most valuable asset for less than he's worth. So we can tank. Like, why do that? Like, like I know everyone's like, Oh, you know, yeah. Tank to get good. Like, sure you do. But like you're Brooklyn, you've been able to get stars there out of thin air. Like don't do that. There's, there's no reason to do that. Okay. All right. Let's see. Any more? Any more? Any more? I'm seeing the same stuff. Oh, Warriors not that into DeJounte Murray. That's funny. I mean, they should be. I don't know why they wouldn't be. They He would make them better. But, you know, the Warriors... Quick digression. The Warriors have started to believe their own mythology. And it's one of the reasons why they're not good. Whenever someone starts believing their own mythology, it's not, it's the end, right? It's people aren't special in that way. People aren't just intrinsically blessed. The warriors act like there's something so special about them that like, you know, it's like God's always shining down and, smiling on them it's like no like you got really lucky that you drafted steph curry draymond green and clay thompson and then like after you did that like you just got lucky or you kind of like performed like most front offices like you whiffed on a top two pick 
and James Wiseman, right? Like, so it's one of those things where, yeah. I, also, you know, like, this team is going to be bad soon. Malcolm Brogdon is, I'm happy in Portland. This one was invented by a writer. Maybe Brogdon is happy living in Portland. He's not happy playing for the Portland Trailblazers. This guy is a good fucking player. He can help a team make a deep playoff run. Hey, you know, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> he's not as happy. Here's the thing. He's not as happy in Portland as he could be someplace else. Brogdon on Boston, I didn't feel very valued there. Well, you know, you were their sixth man, Brogdon. So just guess. You were not as valuable as five other players to them. All right. Let's see. Anything else? Nets interested in D'Angelo Russell. Honestly, I like this one for the Nets. They really just, they really need a point guard that can create some offense for themselves and others. Cam Thomas, not a good player, but can create offense for himself. Um, That's it. And so that's not really what you want as point guard. So D'Angelo Russell, I think, would actually be good for them. He would make he would he would give their offense a better floor. So when they're not just like, well, we won because we hit threes, we lost because we didn't hit enough threes, right? Like that's kind of every team, but they're even more susceptible to that. I think Russell would be good for them. He's under contract for another season with I mean, well, he's not under contract. He's got a player option that's like 17 or something million that I think he would want to opt into because I don't think he'll get a longer, I don't think he'll get a better deal than that and if he's you know the lead point guard for the nets next season they have mikhail bridges they have cam thomas they've been simmons you know, yeah they have guys around him that can make him look good so i think the nets should be interested in him now the lakers i don't know how what the, they have that the lakers want like oh cool here's dorian finney smith like okay cool lakers you still need a fucking point guard because Austin Reeves apparently isn't a point guard. All right. Apparently the Pelicans have sniffed around some big deals with Jonas Valanciunas' $15 million expiring deal and some of their seven tradable first-round picks. People forget that like, the Pelicans can do stuff, but they want a starter-quality center in return in addition to any other upgrades. Well, if you're giving up Valanciunas picks you should get a starting caliber center because Valanciunas is a starting caliber center he's a weird player he's good like look like if I'm the Pelicans I actually am not pushing any chips in unless I'm getting like a really really good player because this Zion isn't that good this season and if this is just kind of Zion's new reality where like he's a good player like borderline all-star player but if that's all he is like That's Brandon Ingram. That's CJ McCollum. Like, you're not doing anything significant with three borderline all-star players, you know, getting paid in excess of 30 and 40 million per season, right? Like, if you're spending $100 million for three borderline all-stars, you'll make the playoffs. It'll be a good team. It'll be a solid team. They got good depth, but you're not going to do anything. So I would, if I, like, it sucks because the Pelicans are finally healthy this season, but, like, they're in a situation where it's like, a like we gotta find out is like is, is this just what Zion is now? Because if it is, they're kind of trapped. And I mean that deal's not horrible because it's his first extension. But then you know they're they they'll need a guy. They'll need a guy guy. And moving Valanciunas 
right now he's expiring. It's fine, but you don't want to give picks if you you need a guy guy because if the Oklahoma City Thunder have more than everyone else, and you want to be able to offer a competitive, you have enough assets to like beat them to the punch. Um. Oh, Wendell Carter Jr. would have suitors if Orlando made him available. Yeah, no shit. Andrew Wiggins has drawn player for player trade offers for Warriors. This factor fiction is fiction. Andrew Wiggins, I kid you not, has actually probably been the least valuable player in the, the, the league this season. Now, you might say to me, Devin, how is that? How is that even possible? And I will say, well, he is bad. He's been, let's go take a look at the advanced numbers and let's go see basketball reference. We're hitting advanced. We're going over to VORP, which is basically war. Number one is Jokic by a large margin. All right. Negative VORP. Andrew Wiggins, though, he's not last. He's not last. I'm sorry. He's in fourth to last at negative 0.7 VORP, just ahead of Malachi Branham, who's a 20-year-old point guard, Scoot Henderson, who's a 19-year-old point guard, and Jordan Poole at negative 1.3. God, my God. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Okay, so here's the thing. Wiggins is not drawing any player-for-player trade because, first, he's owed money down the line. He's not like an expiring contract where you're like, well, we'll take your expiring bad money you take our better bad long-term money right he's under contract after this season for two more years but for a 30 million dollar player option right so no one is no like no one is offering a straight up swap for him he is not he has been a bad player and he is expensive and he's under contract for a long time and like what what team is like oh like what team has a worse long-term contract than this i mean i guess zach levine but like zach levine makes so much more money that like it doesn't you, you couldn't even do the deal that is a lie that is a lie that is just that is what we like to call they made it up that complete and utter bullshit let's go see let's go see what if there's any this is this is how you know when they don't fight any other teams that's when you know they're making it up. Okay, so this this is this is an incredibly misleading headline. So the Warriors have fielded player for player offers for Wiggins. That sounds like a one player for another player, according to team and league sources. Next sentence. They would have to attach a draft pick to get off his deal. So they're not being offered player for player deals for Andrew Wiggins. They're actually having to give up draft assets to get rid of there, which is a player and an asset, which is how a fucking lot of trades work that people don't call player for player deals. Um, so website that is bad journalism, but I don't think that's like really their thing um, to be good journalism. Obviously they're not like breaking standards, but they're just kind of, you know, they want me to react to stuff and it worked. So congratulations. All right. Let's see anything else fun. Jared Allen going nowhere. Of course he's going nowhere. He's been awesome. Warriors test trade market for Chris Paul, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, like I said, not going to be a good trade market. Chris Paul, 
he was good. Like his shooting this year has been bad. Broke his hand, but he was like really good for the Warriors. The playmaking, you know, keeping the turnovers in check, something they like have never done. Like he was good for them. He's on like a $30 million expiring deal. I think if a team has, you know, money they want to get off of, he's like a great candidate and the Warriors could get someone that could help them now and maybe next season. You know, I, I would rather have Chris Paul as a player today than Andrew Wiggins. And I'd rather have that contract that's about to go bye-bye. Okay. Quinn Snyder lobbying Hawks not to trade DeJounte Murray. Okay. Hmm. Gordon Hayward. This one is unlikely, unlikely, unlikely to seek a buyout. Sources say that Hayward is far less likely than Lowry to seek a buyout in the event Charlotte is unsuccessful in trading. Turns 34 in March is earning $31.5 million this season. And would forfeit his bird rights in a buyout. Okay, so here's the deal, Gordon Hayward. Your bird rights don't fucking matter. Like, you're 34 and you haven't been healthy or good for pretty much the entire time you're in Charlotte. Like, when I say good, I mean like all-star level good where like your bird rights matter. Right? So, here's the deal. Hayward, if I'm the Hornets and I'm him, I would be like, let's buy you out if we can't trade you. I don't think they can trade him because He's making $31 million. The old, like, And presumably you would trade him to a contender. So, or that would be the only team that would want him unless a bad team is trying to get off money, right? Like, could you do a situation where, like, Charlotte takes on Zach Levine? Like, I don't know why they would do that. But, you know, this is Charlotte. They've made some questionable decisions before. So that's a distinct possibility. This is what we like to call, I think this is made up. Like they're saying is less likely than Lowry to seek a buyout. Like, look, I don't know who represents Hayward, but they're like, dude, you want to get bought out if you want to play meaningful basketball and your bird rights don't fucking matter, dude. You're not getting, no one's giving him a contract after this where bird rights matter, right? Like bird rights allow you to like spend more money, give him extra year. He's 34. He's in the phase of his career where he's getting like one year deals with like maybe a player option tacked on right okay let's see okay that's that's all that's all this is all that i'm seeing i mean oh daniel gafford's on the knicks radar that makes sense that that is true he's a nba quality center that would help them okay final one because i remember seeing this and now that i see scrolling I, this one, this one is, we made it up. This one was invented by a writer. Suns, very confident in their ability to trade for Miles Bridges. First off, no one should be trading for Miles Bridges. Like, the dude, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, here's a market inefficiency we can exploit. This guy beats up women. Therefore, he gets paid less. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, I get it. Like these teams do not give a fuck about that stuff. They're in the business of winning basketball games. So when that is your business, you you look talent wins out over all that stuff. Usually, you know, it has to be pretty bad. Um, 
Suns are very confident in their ability to trade for Miles Bridges. Okay, here's the thing with the Suns. They don't have anything to trade. I mean, they technically do, but they traded all of their first-round picks that they could trade to the Brooklyn Nets to get Kevin Durant. They then, to get Bradley Beal, traded like all of their second-round picks that they could trade and all the swaps to the picks that they didn't give up to get Kevin Durant. So they basically gave up all their first-round picks, put swaps on all their other first-round picks, and gave up all their second-round picks. And then when they realize they're like, oh, shit, we don't actually have anything we can trade anymore except for one thing, swaps of swaps. So Zach Lowe calls it, they horcruxed their swaps, which I think is great. So they're like, all most of their swaps are like their soul has been split again, and they're getting the least, the least good of like three teams in a swap, right? So they've done that, and they did that to get like I think ended up being like five um, second round picks from other teams. So like here's the thing: like Miles Bridges is making like seven million dollars or something because he's a bad person. He's a pretty good player. The Suns can fit his salary in there. They can work some stuff out pretty easily, I believe. Even though they gave a bunch of guys contracts that made it harder for them to be traded, and that's one of the reasons why the guy signed them. I think it's like anytime you sign a guy for a one-year deal with like a team or a player option the next year, like that guy can't be traded for X amount of time or something like that. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I remember hearing that. So, but you know, they can cobble together salary that they need to to send enough back to Charlotte that or Charlotte that it works out for them. But like, why the fuck would this Hornets trade Miles Bridges for like some shitty future second round picks when he's like probably the best value impact player? Like, granted, they might just be there like, well, we should we should trade him, you know, blah blah. blah. It's like they already brought him back, right? Like, this is a situation where you should only move Miles Bridges after you brought him back. If, you know, like, like they're willing to employ him. So like, why wouldn't they be willing to extend them at a better number and keep him around? So it's like, you only trade him if you get like real value back, which the fucking Suns literally are like incapable of doing, unless you think like a 2025 Memphis second round pick, wherever the fuck they have to offer is value. This is absolutely insane. This is what happens so often where it's like prominent team wants player it's news. It's like prominent team has no ability to get player. I remember there was a fucking rumor where the Bucks were interested in DeJounte Murray. This is before Adrian Griffin got fired. That was the most mind-numbingly stupid thing I've ever heard. They like, like they literally don't have anything to trade. How would they trade for him? Right? Like people are like, oh well, they hang and they put these salaries together and it works out. Okay, cool. But like teams don't want your rotation players when they're trading DeJounte Murray. They want your draft picks, which you do not have anymore. Suns, very confident in their ability to trade for Miles Bridges. I think the better headline would be Suns technically can trade for Miles Bridges. Very that Suns are very confident that they can figure out a way to have the league approve a proposed trade for Miles Bridges. They should not be confident that they can trade for him because if someone's like, oh, I can get Miles Bridges for, let me see. 
three second round picks. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay. Hornets. We would like Miles Bridges for one lightly to slightly protected first round pick. And they'd be like, that is a better option than this garbage. Okay. That's enough. Okay. So this was a little quick uh, NBA trade rumors, NBA rumors, fact or fiction. As you can see, most of them are, you know, you can you can understand why the headline exists, but most of them, a lot of news in the NBA now and sports in general is what I like to call scuttlebutt, which is a real thing. So, yeah, it's just a lot of, well, you know, like, we're kicking the tires. Cool, man. Cool. Like, how interested are you? Yeah, you know, just kicking the tires. We're seeing, we're seeing what we're what would happen if we said this? It's a. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of being a fantasy football league or a fantasy sports league. There's like always those, those guys that, and I find these people to be the worst. So if you do this, just let me know. Just just know, I'm letting you know, you are a bad person. There are always the people that offer insanely lopsided trades, and they're constantly doing it with everyone. And it's just like they're hoping someone like fucks up and by accident accepts it or like doesn't know enough and they like trick them and like totally pull one over on them. That's what a lot of this stuff feels like. It's like, oh, you know, Lakers are interested in Joel Embiid. Think they could swap Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell for him. It's like, what? Obviously that is not happening, but it's stuff like that. And there's people want news and want content and they're willing to take something. One guy at a front office said was happening or they're interested in or they've talked about and the reality is like front offices like if they're good and they are good for the most part they're talking about a fuckload of different things fuckload of different contingencies fuckload of different plans it's every like the way these people operate and they need to operate because it's their job is every player is gettable every player is available if we do our but like until we do our due diligence and find out if that's true or not and so that's where the, a lot of these rumors come from Okay, that's been this kind of quick little baby episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Remember to like and subscribe. And uh, I think, I don't know if you can rate and review. If you could do that, you do that. And maybe, you know, give us a good rating and a good review. Unless you're one of those people that offers bullshit fantasy trades. And you can go fuck yourself. And you guys know who you are. You think you're, you think you're being good at it. You're not. You're just being a bad person. Um, so remember that anyways, uh, I'll be back in a little bit and peace.